You guys heard the expression, great things come in small packages, right? Or good things come in small packages. You ever heard that expression? And um, when you think about it, it, it is kind of true. Now, obviously, it's not absolute. There are good things that come in big packages, like, you know, nature, the landscape, that's very nice. But there are some small things that come in, um, that are good, that come in small packages, like your cell phone. How many people have a cell phone? Back in the day, we, 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 cell phones were stuff of the, the, the rich. When I was growing up, like you had a cell phone, you were bawling. When my, my, my friend had a cell phone the size of like this big and he, we held it, it was like, wow, it's so cool. And that was, you know, that was the thing. Like you, that meant you had money. Now everybody has a cell phone. Um, and we were like, we can't live without it. When I left this morning, I left home, I forgot my cell phone. Guess what happened? I made a U-turn, go get the cell phone. I already had gone, I'm already at the light. I'm like, go back, right? Because we feel like we can't live without it. If we would do a survey and I would give people the choice between a car, you know, we can take away your car or we can take away your cell phone. I'm sure there's a good portion that would say, take away the car, I can get a ride, I can get an Uber on my cell phone. But you wouldn't let go of your cell phone. And, and there is more power in your cell phone, they say, than the computers that sent the first rocket to the moon. Right now there's so much power, so much stuff that can be done in that cell phone, it's incredible. Now the cell phone on the projection is called the Falcon Supernova. It is the most expensive cell phone ever and you could buy it if you want for $48.5 million. Because I guess it's gold and it's, and it's a, a rose, pink rose diamond, real diamond in the back and, and somebody bought it for $48 million. I'm in the wrong line of business, I need to sell cell phones. And then other things that come, that are good, that come in small packages, you can think about jewelry, right? Like, um, like a ring. You want to see an instant reaction from a lady? Go with a little box, right? You're going to get instant reaction. And that might not be good, because she might <laughs> slap you, right? But, but you're going to get a reaction. I remember when I was a, a youth, now, we won't do that here, I guarantee you, but when I grew up, we did it at uh, my church. We had Valentine's Day, right? And the youth leader got us to his house and we had like a Valentine's Day celebration and there was a poem competition. It was a poem competition and everybody would go and, and the guys had to write a poem and give to the girls. And, and my buddy, he went like all out, like he went big and, and he said, he was doing his poem, he says, you see for everybody else, it's just a game, but for me, it's real. And he got down on his knees and he got a little box and she started freaking out. She started crying. And, and, and then after the thing was done, said, oh, no, no, it was just a joke to win the thing. Well, that friendship didn't go too well after that, right? Uh, because great things come in a small package like this, but it has a big impact. Now, this one in particular comes from Walmart.com. So I didn't know Walmart sold those stuff. I would not advise you, if you're single, to buy it at Walmart. And ladies, I would be suspect of anyone buying it at Walmart, but you can get a good thing in a small package. But the greatest thing that comes in a small package is a child, right? A child comes in, in a small package. Um, 
But when we see a child, we see potential. We see the future. We see things that could happen. Like, uh, you know, uh, we all, when we, we, for those of us who have children, we see, oh, man, that, that kid, oh, he's so smart. He just said goo goo gaga. But he's so smart, right? He's going to be a doctor. He's going to be an engineer. He's going to be all those great things because there's so much potential. They come small, but you want to see your life change. I remember when my firstborn was born, you know, we're leaving the, the, the hospital and we're like driving so carefully, like, you know, whoa, whoa, because it's precious cargo. By the time you get to the fourth one, they're eating on the floor. They are, they're good, Right? But we say that good things come in small packages. And today I want to talk to you about great truths come in small passages. If I ask you, what is the smallest verse of the Bible, what is it? You would say, Jesus wept. And that is true in English, but it is not true in the original language of Greek. Um, in the book of Acts... Paul was in a city called Philippi, and you guys know what happened in Philippi. He got put in jail. He worshiped, and, you know, God opened the jail, and, and the jailer got saved. And once he was done in Philippi, he moved to another town of Thessalonica. Thessalonica. Try to say that ten times fast, right? He moved to the town of Thessalonica, and he started preaching. He started preaching the gospel, and everything was going fine, and everything was going good. The church was growing. The Jews were coming to Christ. The Gentiles were coming to Christ, and they were starting to build a very big church. But as it goes, when you have some success, people tend to be jealous, right? So the religious people of the time, they started getting jealous of Paul, and they started persecuting him, and, and, and they... they is trying to take him to court and all that stuff so much that Paul and Silas, his partner, they had to leave. They fled for their life because they wanted to kill him. They fled and they felt like they left too soon. And they would try to go back, but every time they would try to go back, they, they wouldn't be able to go back. And Paul was worried about the state of that church. He was worried about what would happen to that, 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 that small church. It, it, it was um, untimely separation. A little bit like us now where because of an unprecedented event, we were untimely separated from the community. We had to shut down, right? And, 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 and we do this on YouTube and we hope that it reaches people, but, but you don't know what's happening behind the scene. And, and Paul was in that situation where he didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. He didn't know, are they going to backslide? Are they going to stay firm? So finally, he sends Timothy to go and find out. And Timothy goes, and Timothy finds out that the church, not only is it still there, it is growing and it is well. And they come back and they give word to Paul and say, the church is well. So the book of First Thessalonians is pretty much Paul writing them um, a letter, and it's his first letter telling them, we're so glad that you guys are doing good. We're so glad to hear that you guys are growing in the faith. And as he ends the letter, there's a little section at the end where he gives recommendations. And the first recommend, one of the recommendations that he gives is rejoice always. And this is the actual shortest verse in the Greek New Testament. Rejoice always. 
And so we want to start this morning by telling you to rejoice always. Now, it's not easy in a time like this when every, with everything that's going down, everything that's going on, everything that's going bad, that you would rejoice always. How many people were, were, were going through something right now and we do not feel like rejoicing? And I want to tell you this morning that if your attention, if your focus are on the things of this earth, it is impossible to rejoice always. If your trust and your love and your affection are towards the things of this world, you will not be able to rejoice always because anything in this world can be taken away. So you go and you buy things, right? So yesterday, my wife and I were looking at stuff. We were looking at, at sofas, right? Because our sofa is messed up. I know your sofa is all nice and everything is beautiful, but our sofa is messed up. And it's messed up because we have four children and they think the sofa is a sidewalk, right? They think it's a sidewalk. They think that it's a trampoline. They think that it's a toy. And now it's messed up. But you're, you're reminded, you know, when you bought it, it was so nice. It was so beautiful. If you ever bought a car and, and if you were fortunate enough to buy a new car, you know, that smell and it's so nice and it's so beautiful. Oh, you feel, you know, you feel good about yourself and you go, you ride and you put your windows down and, and then, and you put the music a little louder, right? So people can pay because it's nice. But guess what? Eventually, it doesn't matter the car, it doesn't matter the brand, whether it's a Toyota or a BMW, eventually that car will let you down. Eventually, you're going to have to let go of that car. So you buy, you buy, you buy things, you buy, but what you have to realize is as much as you buy, eventually you'll have to say bye-bye. That's why they call it buy. And if your hope is in these things of this world, your hope is going to be disappointed. If your hope is in Netflix right now, you're a little bit less rejoiceful because they raised their prices. It's going to be a little bit more expensive. The only way you can rejoice always is if your joy is in the one that is eternal. The only way that you can rejoice always is if you take your attention away from the things of this earth and you bring them in what will never change. The only way that you can rejoice always is if your attention is on the one who, who is with you always, it, it, the one that loves you always, the one that it cares for you always. If your attention is on him, that's when you can rejoice always. You know, there's a song that says in French, contre les bienfaits de Dieu, like count the blessings of God. When you count the blessings of God, then you can rejoice always. A lot of times we focus on what we do not have. We focus on the things that go bad and we forget the things that go good. We focus on the stuff that is taken away from us and we do not focus on the stuff that is given to us. If this pandemic has done anything positive, and that it forced us to focus on the little things that matter most. It has forced us to, okay, you know what? We cannot go to Paris right now. We cannot go to those big vacations right now, but we can spend time together. We cannot, um, well, actually, my wife and I, we, we went on a big adventure the other day. We, we, we went and we risked it. We went to the movies. We went to the movies, and there was a whole five people in there. So we feel, we, feel, we feel good. We feel we were okay. But there's a lot of stuff that we used to do in the past, but that we cannot do anymore. 
But we can do the little things. We can focus. And now you learn to, to, to focus on what really matters, on what really comes from God. And, and the presence of God, there's some, not something that can be explained. It's something that has to be revealed. And, and that's why I admire the, the older mummies, we call them, right? Because they went through so much hardship in their life, but you can see them at the stage that they still have joy. You can see them at the stage that they still have peace. They hear a bad news, but they put their trust in God because they went, they went through the fire and, and, and came out on top. They went through the fire, and in the fire, they saw the face of God. When they went through the fire, they noticed, oh, we went in the fire, there was three of us, but now there's a fourth person in the fire, and he's standing right by my side, and you cannot know the presence of God unless you go through the fire. And when you go through the fire, that's when you find out that God is still faithful, and you can rejoice in him. Because he's the source of your joy. If my job is the source of my joy, when my, they take away my job, then my joy is gone. If I trust on my job to provide, then I'm panicking. But if I trust on God to provide, then I'm straight. Then I'm straight. Because my trust is not on my employer. My trust is in the Lord. He calls himself Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And guess what? He's always on the throne. He's always on the throne. But you know, and I know it's hard to grasp that you have to rejoice always. But what is more mind-boggling? You know, that, that would be normal. Once you know who God is, once you realize he, the extent of his power, like the song says, he has no equal, he has no rival, there's nobody that comes even close to him. It, it, you know, if I tell you up, you say down. If I say left, you say right. And sometimes if you say, I say God, you say the devil, but that is wrong. The devil is not God's equal. It's not God's equal. The devil is a bad servant that was kicked out. He was just a servant, and he got kicked out of there. And he got kicked out. So if I say Michael, you can say the devil. If I say Gabriel, you can say the devil. But if I say God, that's it. There is no equal. There is no rival. There is nobody that even comes close. So it is normal for us to rejoice in his presence. It is normal for us that, that, that because he said, you know what, you are my child and, and I receive you, that we rejoice in the simple fact that he's saving us, that we rejoice in the simple fact that we can be in his presence, that we rejoice in the simple fact that he cares. Like the psalm says, what is men that, thou, uh, that you are mindful of him? The son of men that you even care about him. So it's normal that we rejoice in him. But you know what the most mind-boggling thing is? Is that he rejoices in us. He rejoices in us. If you follow me in Luke chapter 15. And, and Luke chapter 15 is the chapter of the lost, the lost sheep, the lost corn, and the lost son that we call the prodigal son. And it goes like this, right? Verse 1 to 10, it goes... Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, Hmm, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. By the way, when you eat with someone, that means you accept them. That means you're in fellowship with them. So Jesus, the holy son of God, is sitting down with sinners, meaning he accepts them. He receives them. And then Jesus told them this parable. 
Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and say, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over the sinners who repent. And, and, and that's what we, we, we fail to realize. A lot of times... We say that we're saved by grace, but we're acting like we're saved by deeds. And we feel like we have to come to God, and we do have to come to God. But understand that if you're coming to God, it's because God came to you first. Understand that if you have that sense that you want to come to God, it's because he went all over the place and he was looking for you. You want to know how God looked for you? Remind yourself when you lost something. Let's say you lost, you were supposed to go on vacation and you lost your passport, right? And, and you got to go grab the flight. And, and, and you, you're trying to find that passport. What happens? You're going to look everywhere to try to find that, 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 that passport. If you have to go and you don't know where you put your keys and you're late for work, what's going to happen? You're going to tear the place apart to try to find those keys because you need those keys to get where you're going. God is tearing this place apart to get to you. God is tearing the universe apart just to get to you because he wants to be in relationship with you. You know, when, when I was in Mexico, I was in, in, in Mexico on a mission trip. Like, I was like two months. And I was in the mountains. And, and one mor morning, I went to pray in the mountain. And I had my asthma pump. If you ever had asthma, even if you don't have symptoms, you always carry that pump. Because you don't want to be in that situation where that one time you don't have the pump, you go, <laughs> and you, I, I, I lived it, right? So you have your pump. It those, anybody that has asthma, you feel me? You have it. If you're diabetic, it would be your EpiPen. And so I'm on the mountain, and I guess it fell out of my pocket. I, I can't find it anymore. And I'm like, you know what? You don't go on vacation with just one. So I got another couple at the base. But I'm like, you know what? Let me try to find it. And I look, I look, I look. I can't find the thing. I look, and, I, and I'm almost giving up. But something tells me, you know, you keep going. And I look, I look, and then finally I find it. And I feel a voice in my heart saying, if you were lost, I would seek you the same. If you were lost, I would seek you the same. And, and I don't know where you find your, yourself today, but I want to tell you this morning that if you find yourself lost, God is seeking you the same. God is seeking you the same. And the third parable in this is a parable that we all know of the prodigal son, which should really be called the lost son. And in that parable, it tells us about a young man 
And he's feeling himself. He feels like he got swag. He feels like he got this thing. So he goes to his father and he tells his father, you know, dad, give me my inheritance now. Now the inheritance is what you're receiving when the person is dead. So basically what he's telling the dad is that you are dead to me. I don't want to know anything about you anymore. My inheritance, give it to me. Now he didn't really deserve the inheritance. The dad could just tell him, yo, get out of here. But the dad says, okay, here you go. Gives him the inheritance. He takes it and then he goes away. Like some of us, we feel good about ourselves and we went away from God. So he went away and he started spending and partying and and he found himself where he squandered his dad's riches. He hurt his dad and, and now he finds himself eating with the pigs. Now as a Jew, the pigs is the dirtiest animal. It's the lowest of the lowest. Like you want to insult a Jew, bring him ham, bring him pork. For them, it is zero. And so he finds himself eating with the pigs, the most dirtiest place where he could be. And he offended his dad by telling his dad, you're dead to me. He squandered his dad's wealth. He, he, he has nothing left. He's zero. And, and he offended his God because now he's living in a way that is, that is sinful. And, and he thinks to himself, he's like, man, Right now I'm eating with the pigs, but there are servants in my father's house that are eating better than I am now. They're, they're, they're doing better. Maybe if I go to my father's house, I don't expect to be back as a son, but if I can just be as a servant, I will be okay. There are some of us, we feel like, okay, you know what? I've messed up so much that I don't expect to be in God's good graces, but if I can just maybe come to church, I will be okay. But I want to tell you this morning that God doesn't want you to only be a servant. He wants you to be a son. Look what happened. He said, in verse 20 of chapter 15 he says so he got up and went to his father and then he says but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him he ran to his son and threw his arm around him and kissed him let's think about this a minute go back go back let's think about this a little minute he says but while he was still a far ways off Well, that means that that had to be there standing to watch. So that means that from that, 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 that intimates that from the time the son left, the father has been waiting for him to come back. From the time that you left the presence of God to go and do whatever you went on to do. You grew up in the church, but you say, I'm done. From the moment that you left, God has been there waiting for you to come back. And he says, while he was still a long ways off, the father saw him. So I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know how low that you find yourself. I don't know how deep you dug the hole. I don't know how far away you travel from God. But I want to tell you that he sees you where you are right now. And God has great vision. God has 20-20 vision. You know when you go to the doctors, they, they do the, and they say you have 20-20 vision when you have good vision? So God has 20-20 vision. He can see you where you are. The psalmist says, if I go in heaven, you see me. If I go in hell, you see me. There's nowhere I can hide from your presence. There's no place that you can hide from the presence of God. There's nowhere that you can hide from, from the God seeing you. You can never be too far off that his hand cannot reach you. And the father saw him. Now, 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 let's put ourselves in the father's foot, father's shoes a little bit, right? It, what happens when somebody hurts you and they go and then they come back? 
Now you're feeling yourself, right? Now, now you're like, huh. Now you feel vindicated. Now you feel, maybe you feel contempt, like why are they coming back? Or you feel condescension, hey, I told you so. I told you so. Uh, now you want to come back? Now you want to come back? You know that's how we react. That's how we be, right? That's how we be. Now you want to come? Mm. And, and, and then even if you were waiting, you would go do what? You would go hide inside the house, pretend that you moved on. That's how we would do. But the Bible says the father was filled with compassion. Filled with compassion means he was moved from the inside. Like, like we would say in Creole, in his bowels, in the inside, he was filled with compassion for his son. And you can sense that the father knows you want to go out of my protection. You're going to hurt. And we think sometimes that God is that God that is mad in heaven. But you understand when you go away from the presence of God, you're hurting yourself. But God has compassion of you. God has compassion for him. And then he says, and now you can imagine the son is coming back. He's coming back from a long journey. Some of us, we traveled away from God from a long journey. So he's tired. He doesn't have the energy. He doesn't have the power. And I want to talk to the person right now. You're tired. You know, this COVID-19 has been hard on you, and you're tired. This relationship has been hard on you, and you're tired. You're going through hell. Sorry to use the term, but you're going through hell and high water, and it's bad, and you're tired. And you don't have energy. I want to tell you this morning, you don't need energy because God has energy. And it says, he ran. He didn't walk to the sun. He ran to the sun. And I want to tell you this morning, if you just walk to God, if you just move towards God, he will run towards you. He will move towards you. He will run with full speed towards you because the father wants to be reunited with his child. He was filled with compassion and he ran to his son and then he threw his arm around him. If you just open your heart a little bit to God, he will open his arms wide and receive you and accept you. But then he says, that's not enough. He says, and he kissed him. And then we, we imagine, oh, you know, like, I don't want. Uh-uh. When you go in the root of the word, that means it's a passion, it's kiss. It's a kiss over and over and over again. And that's what is mind-boggling with God. It's not only that he receives us in his presence. It's not only that he saves us, but then he kisses us with blessings over blessing over blessing over blessing over blessings. Blessing that we don't deserve. And I want to tell you, if you fell away from God, if you moved away from him, come back to him. And I know it's going hard right now, but God is going to pour you out a blessing that you don't have room to receive. He's going to give you kisses upon kisses upon kisses. And the kisses of God are the kisses that bring life. They're the kisses that bring life. But then here's what the son said. In the next one, verse 21. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And, and that's where we believe, we say, in salvation by grace. But we really believe in salvation by works. So when we don't fulfill our works in the way that we think we should, now we feel like the son and we say, we're no longer worthy to be called 
X, Y, Z. We're no longer worthy to do this. We're no longer worthy to do that. And now our salvation, our standing with God, we associate it with the actions that we do rather than the actions that Christ did at the cross. We associate our being close to God to our performance rather than Christ's performance. And he says, you know what? I'm, no, I'm not worthy to be called your son. So the father is receiving his son back, but the son... He, 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 because of guilt, he wants to be brought back down to a servant's status. And I want to tell you that God has not called you to be a servant. Yes, we're servants of God in that sense, but we're also children of God. God has called you to be his, his, his child. God, God has called you to be his prince. God has called you to be his princess. And here's what the father did. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf, and basically let's have a party, let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and he is alive, and he was lost, and he is found. So they began to celebrate. They began to have a party. Understand this. When you come back to God, there is a party in heaven. When you come back to God, and the best way I can, I can explain it is like for those of us who watch sports, you know what happens when your team wins a championship, right? So you're watching the game, and uh, your team is coming from behind. But last second, and I take you, for those of you who watch for Miami Heat, game six against San Antonio Spurs. He makes a shot against all odds by a fraction of a second. The shot goes in. Wah! That's how, guys, we celebrate. But guess what? When you come back to God, that's the celebration that they're having in heaven for you coming back to the presence of the Father. That means Gabriel and Michael and all the angels are like, yes, he's back, he's back. David's back, baby. That's how it goes in heaven. When you come back, to the presence of God, Jesus says there is celebration in heaven. And, and don't take my word from it. Take Jesus' word. Jesus came from heaven now. So he came from heaven now to bring us back in the presence of the Father. So he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. And he's saying, when you come back to God, there is celebration. So you understand when you go and, 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 and you go and you pray, that God is celebrating your presence, meaning that he's happy that you're here. He's happy to be in relationship with you. Which brings us to the second smallest verse of the Bible, which is pray continually. Pray continually. The father loves his children. Let me tell you, there, you can go to work, and, you know, it's hard, whatever. But when you come home, and, 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 and you got to take advantage of those years, right? When your children still want to see you, <laughs> and they grow up and they don't care. But when they're young, and they go, daddy, 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 that brings joy to your heart. When you go in the presence of God and you say, Daddy, 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 that brings joy to the heart of God. And, and, and now he says, praise continually. Now, sometimes we don't rejoice always because we do not know him. But we don't know him because we don't spend time with him. 
We don't spend time with him because we don't pray. We don't pray because for us, it's more like a ritual than spiritual. It's more of a burden than a blessing. It's more of a religion than a relationship. But if you understand that what God wants from you is a relationship, you don't have to go with them big words. You don't have to go with those, those formulas. You can just say, Daddy, Father, I'm in trouble right now. Your dad, you know what? This thing, I, I, I don't like that. Like, and you just talk to God. And, and he says, pray continually. And continually means without unnecess- unnecessary gaps, without unnecessary voids. So, so, so that means what? That means you're constantly in an attitude of communication with your father. So you have, yes, you have your quiet time. Yes, you have your, 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 your time where you spend time with God. But then you have times where you, you're at work and this thing is not working out. It's like, God, I need your help. Oh, Father, you know what? Give me grace with these people. Give me, let me find a solution for that. God, I pray you for the job. Help the, the, the managers. Help the, and, and you're constantly in relationship with God. And he says this. Jesus says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And you see, sometimes we don't rejoice because we got problems. But what we don't realize is that every problem comes with a promise. Every problem that we have comes with a promise from God. If we're broke, he says, I am Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. If you're sick, he says, I'm Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. If you're alone, he says, I am with you always till the ends of of the earth. So there is always a promise uh, associated with your problem. So now when you go in the presence of God, you just bring the promise. You should show him the promise that he made you. And he's going to and he's going to fulfill that promise because he is not a man that he shall lie or the son of man that he will repent. What he says, his hands will do. Whatever he says, his hand will accomplish. So if he made the promise, he's going to accomplish it. Now understand this. When you pray, and let's say you do not see the answer that you want to see, don't think it's because there's a lack of power. There is not a lack of power. God is sovereign. God is super powerful. When you pray and you do not see what you want, it's not a lack of power. It's the pursuit of a greater purpose. It's the pursuit of a greater purpose. And that's where we get the last verse for today, which is Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And what we find in Jesus wept, if you know the context of that verse, is Jesus is chilling with his, home, with his um, uh, disciples, and Martha and Mary come, and they tell him, Jesus, Lazarus, the man you love, your, your friend, he is sick. He is very sick. Now we know you can heal the sick. We saw you heal the sick. So please come so, so you can pray for him and he will be well. And Jesus says, okay, hold on. Okay, I'll, I'll be right with you. And then he waits. Now that's not what Mary and Mark wanted to see, but he waits. And he waits. And he waits. And then when he goes there, he says, yes, I'm glad we're late. I'm glad we're late. Because now we're going to see the glory of God. And sometimes when we pray, God, we want to see the answer now. We want the solution now. We're hurting now. But, and then when Jesus gets there, he says what? He looks at them, and the Bible says Jesus wept. Now, this is the most mind-boggling verse of the Bible. Because Jesus knew what he was about to do. 
He knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he saw how they were hurting because by the time Jesus got there, Lazarus was no longer sick. He died. And then it's only that he died. He died for four days. And in Jewish custom, three days, the spirit is still in the body. But after day three, the spirit is gone. It's over. So at that situation, when it's over, it's gone. It's, it's, it's a wrap. Jesus sees how they're hurting. He sees how they're crying. And the Bible says Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Meaning Jesus had compassion of them. Jesus did not only have, he didn't have pity. He had compassion. Compassion means, come means with hurt. Meaning he hurt with them. And I want you to know that yes, God has ultimate power. But that doesn't mean that that situation that you're in, whatever it is, that he's not hurting with you. That he doesn't have compassion of you in that situation. Jesus is the one that has compassion. So when you hurt, he hurts. When you're sad, he feels your sadness. Understand this, you know, when he, Jesus was about to leave, he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send with you a comforter, the Holy Spirit. So it's not only that God rules on in heaven, right? He rules in heaven and he sees everything. It's not enough that he said, okay, you know what? I'm going to come down and, and, and I'm going to minister to people. And Jesus came down and he was Emmanuel, God with us. And he was here and he healed the sick and he, he raised the dead and he did a whole lot of different things. But then he says, you know what? I'm not only God in heaven. I'm not only going to be God on, next to you. I'm going to be God in you because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he will live inside of you. It will be your comforter, which means that like your lawyer, your advocate, the ones who defends you. So, so whatever you're going through, God is right there going through it with you. And Jesus wept, which meant Jesus cares which means Jesus understands your pain. He understands the situation that you're in. And the difference between Jesus and your best friend is Jesus has the power to do something about it. Jesus has the power to do something about it. Some of the things that we're going through, all we can do as human is put our hands on your shoulder, help you through it, and, and, and do what we can. But Jesus is the one that has the power to do something about it. And what ended up happening, he got there and he said, Martha, didn't I tell you, you will see the glory of God. And, and, and she felt like, yes, you're going to talk. Yes, I know when we get to heaven, we're going to see the glory of God. And Jesus says, yes, that's true. But I'm talking now. You're going to see the glory of God now. And I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what the situation, but you can see the glory of God now where the power of God comes to your rescue, where God is at work in your life. And we have to learn to see things not in the way the world sees things, but to see things in the way that God sees things and understand that God is at work for you. Jesus says, if you pray anything in my name, I will do it. Why? Because he cares. Because he's right there with you. And that's the thing where... We look at things the way men look at things. You see, in, in Thessalonians, one of the verses, he says, Thessalonians, they're good. Paul doesn't give him a lot of teaching. He just really praises them for what they did. But then he goes and he says, you know what? I don't want you to be like the people of the world. Because the people of the world, when they lose someone, they mourn because it's over. 
But we, we have hope. We have hope because we know that the loved ones that we lost, we are going to see them again in heaven. And I rejoice in the fact that you guys are, I rejoice in the fact that you guys are faithful and we do not lose hope like the people of the world, but we have hope because we know the one that holds the power of the resurrection. And in, in, in John, he showed that Jesus showed that he had the power of resurrection to bring Lazarus back to life. So I don't know what in your life is going wrong. I don't know what in your life is going now, but Jesus has the power to raise him from the dead, to raise you, whatever situation that you're going through, to bring you out of there. And, and when you're in there, it's hard. It's tough. It's not easy. Martha and Mary, they had to cry. They, it was rough. And Jesus wept. And Jesus was right there with them. But in the end, Jesus had a better plan. And he brought Lazarus back to life. And in your life, the situation that you're going through, Jesus has a better plan. And I'm going to tell you this morning to trust him. And it says, faith is trusting God even when you don't understand his plan. Trust God even when you don't understand his plan. Rejoice in just the fact that you have him. So as we close this morning, I'm going to ask you, I don't know where you are, but I'm going to ask you to take that step to come back to God, to take that step to rejoice and to, 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 to just bathe in the presence of God. Forget the troubles of this world. Forget the animosity of this world. Forget all the divisions of this world. Forget all your troubles this morning. Forget all of those different situations that are, those barriers that are taking your attention away from God. And right now I'm going to ask if you're here just to close your eyes and, and take that time where we're just going to go into the presence of God and we're going to put our trust in Him. Maybe you lost your job and you don't know where the money is going to come from. Forget for just one second and put your trust in Him. Maybe you find yourself in a tough situation. Forget that situation right now and put your trust in him. Maybe you have sickness in the body and it's not looking good. Forget it for just one moment. Let's go in front of the throne of God because that's where we find solutions. So rejoice always, pray continually, and trust God. God bless you.